Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Welcome to Life on Pause. We're super excited tonight to be recording on the topic of brain tumors and young adults. We have a lovely community gathered tonight, a combination of young adults from the Penn State Hershey community, and then we're recording in collaboration with Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. So I'm going to turn it over to them to introduce themselves and we'll get started. Thank you. I'm Kathy Riley, Vice President of Family Support for the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. I lead the foundation's efforts to develop and execute our family support programs and resources with the goal of improving the lives of families impacted by a pediatric brain tumor diagnosis. We strive to offer relevant information and resources in addition to emotional, social, and educational support. We offer that support throughout a family's journey, no matter where that journey leads. And I am also the mother of Peter, who is a long-term survivor of a pediatric brain tumor. Peter was diagnosed in the early 90s with a type of brain tumor called medulloblastoma. He is now a 25-year-plus survivor, doing well, struggling with some of the late effects of his treatment, but engaged in some great volunteer work with a local community. My name is Tony Campisi. Um, I'm 18 years old, currently going to school at Hack here in PA, which is a local community college. I was first diagnosed at the age of four with a tumor on the spinal cord, and then it eventually moved to the brain stem. I've undergone three rounds of chemotherapy, and just recently, as of this summer, I had to do six weeks of radi- proton radiation therapy, and I finished that in August, and feeling pretty good otherwise. My name is Christopher McKeon. I was diagnosed with a choroid plexus papilloma when I was 10 months old. I am about to be 29 next month, and it's been a long road from where I've been. I was 90% paralyzed on my left side. Fast forward to today, I was a two-sport athlete in college, and now I'm the director of sports communication and media relations at Cedar Crest College in Allentown, Pennsylvania. So my name is Brayden Flegel. I just turned 17 at the beginning of January. Last year, at the day after my birthday, I went to the DMV to get my driving permit and failed vision screening. Fast forward one day, and I'm getting rushed into the Hershey emergency room because there's pressure on my optic nerve. I undergo one brain surgery. We find my brain surgeon. They found it's a germinoma brain tumor, and it's causing swelling on my ventricles and putting pressure on my optic nerves. I have a second brain surgery. 
to put in a shunt on the side of my brain to drain brain fluid. I had four rounds of chemo with no delays and then 25 rounds of proton radiation chop. And my six-month post-treatment scans are all clear. Hi, I'm Catherine. I was diagnosed at 14 years old with a craniopharyngioma. I'm currently 30, and I've been really focusing on my health the past year, dealing with more um, side effects. But I've missed tumors stable, and I'm hoping that by focusing on my health, I can continue to tutor and um, travel a lot more in the future. I'm Stephanie Bauer. I am 30. My affiliation is with the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation in California. I was diagnosed with pilocytic astrocytoma at 11. Um, kind of similar to uh, Braden's story, I had pressure on the optic nerve, which was found by my eye doctor. A scan showed that I had a tumor on the optic chiasm. I had surgery at Children's Hospital Los Angeles to remove portion of the tumor. And we thought we were good to go for a couple of years. And the tumor um, and friends came back two years later, and I was on chemo for a couple of years. Uh, the original tumor left me legally blind. And the tumor and the combination of the scar tissue from the surgery left me with seizures that I still have uh, to this day, along with the vision loss. But I am doing well now and I'm working for the county of Ventura in a job that I really love. And so I'm very lucky all the way around. My name is Ethan Crawford, and I'm currently 15. Last year in February, I was diagnosed with lymphoma, and I went through six rounds of chemotherapy along with radiation at CHOP and Hershey. And I finished treatment in August of last year, and so far, nothing has appeared yet. Thanks, everybody. And we're also joined by Liz, who is a, was 16 when she was diagnosed with a very rare brain tumor, tumor near her brain stem. She had four brain sur- surgeries, six weeks of radiation, and she's been taking oral chemo for two, about two years and now has chemo and infusions every three weeks. And she's currently 19. I wanted to start out actually with some words that Liz wrote for her high school graduation. She was diagnosed her junior year and pretty much sat out her junior year, which was also the last normal high school year before COVID. So she had quite a strained kind of sequence there because cancer, of course, shifts your world a lot, but then COVID shifted all of our worlds. But part of her um, speech was shared in the paper and it's just perfect. She writes, I do not share my personal battles or remind you all of the pandemic to gain sympathy, but my goal is for you to understand that life can be very unpredictable and can completely change in a moment's time. You should always be thankful and grateful for each and every day, but your life is what you make of it. It is your choice to choose how to handle adversity, challenges, and obstacles. My hope is that you choose to handle them gracefully with confidence and optimism. And this kind of tackles that first question that we posed for each of you. That was, what challenges have you faced as a result of your diagnosis and treatment? So Liz starts us off somewhat with an orientation of how maybe to approach those challenges. 
but we'd love to hear each of you kind of share what challenges have been have been brought because of your cancer diagnosis. So I have had quite a few challenges, mostly from my treatment. I've had a lot of memory loss and a lot of problems remembering things, which we contribute mostly to the radiation. I've also had slower processing speeds because just everything being shot into my brain. So I also had a lot of physical restrictions shortly after my surgeries last year. So like I was barely able to get out of bed. I couldn't walk by myself, couldn't shower by myself. And it you're become very reliant on others for a lot of things, I feel like, because you can't do it for yourself. This is Stephanie. I agree with Braden very much. When you're in the middle of dealing with the brain tumor and treatment, you just kind of do what you have to do to get through it. And then as you move along through your journey, things change. You kind of look back and reflect on, oh my gosh, I made it through. But I was in high school when I was on chemo and uh, I continued to go to school. So I just kind of put my nose down and got through it. And so it doesn't give you a whole lot of time to find out. I used to call it um, who your people are. I didn't have a whole lot of friends, but I just had, I had to make a choice, focus on schoolwork and get through school, you know, figure out who my friends were. So, and I continue to do that, but your, I feel like your priorities when you're getting through, when you're going through something like we all go through are very different. So I wasn't focused on being cool or what the fashions were or anything like that. I was more worried about, you know, keeping my lunch down, <laughs> to be quite honest. So as I have gotten a little bit older, um, the physical challenges, I feel like I have a hold on. I'm very good about taking my seizure meds. I feel like I have, I'm legally blind still. So I feel like I have my my sense about me with what my vision is and understanding that that's not going to change right now and that that's okay. Socially, I feel like I'm uh, still a little bit behind, but I'm starting to know where I can spread my wings a little bit. There's the the phrase daring launches from a secure base, and I'm feeling like I'm launching a little bit more. So those are some of the challenges that aren't totally related to the medical aspect of what we all go through. But um, looking back and seeing, I think as we get a little further past survival, we're able to look back and go, oh my gosh, I went through all of that. And these are some of the things that were more difficult to not just surviving the medical diagnosis. I'm not nearly as far out of treatment as you are, I believe. But another thing I struggled with was my hair loss. And not just because I was bald, but the problem with me was my hair started falling out less than a month after brain surgeries. So I couldn't shave my head. I don't know if anybody else had that experience where they just kind of had to let it fall out. And it would be like all over your pillow in the morning and then so annoying and you just had to let it go because you couldn't do anything with the incisions being there. Physical limitations that I had after my first surgery when I was four years old is uh, I lost all control on my left side. I had to learn how to walk again. And don't know if I said it earlier, but I play ice hockey. and. I've been skating since I was two and a half years old. So I also had to learn how to skate again. 
it also affected my growth in height. I'm very short. I don't even break five foot, four eleven. More recently, I underwent radiation therapy and proton radiation that has affected me, my ability to drive. Cause after that, I had seizures. Everything is doing better now, but the seizures caused me to have double vision. And like Brayden was saying, the hair loss really, it kind of got to me because as a hockey player, it's kind of a rite of passage. It's called flow and it's nice and wavy and long. And I lost it and it just kind of got to my head a little bit, but it'll be back eventually. I definitely feel you with the hair thing because like I was in the hospital for almost two weeks at first with the two brain surgeries and then went back for the first round of chemo. And once your hair started falling out, you're like, wow, this is this is real. Like I'm going through cancer. I have poison being pumped into my body. So for me, I would say since I was I was 10 months at my diagnosis uh, with my choroid plexus papilloma, which is an extremely rare type of tuner, which is non-cancerous. I can't relate to the treatment of losing your hair. And I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but my tumor was the size of a softball when I was 10 months old. And so when I was 10 months old, my head was the size of, of a two and a half year old. Prognosis was that I, the, my parents tell me the story of one of the doctors came in and said, we have great news. He has 10% mobility. 10% mobility means I'm 90% paralyzed on my left side. So obviously the physical challenges were there. I think because of how young I was, I was able, and my amazing medical team and my family, I was able to get through it. I had a walker for a few years, and then they ended up putting in a shunt to help drain hydrocephalus. So that kind of changed my whole life. As I mentioned before, I'm a huge sports person. I love sports. It's my life. And as soon as that happened, contact sports were off the table. So it was very, very difficult to be growing up and then be told by my, my parents, oh, you can't do that because of your physical limitations. But in terms of challenges today, when I was growing up, I had, I was in resource just cognitively because of where the tumor was. I had issues with math, reading, comprehension, that kind of stuff. And, but fast forward to today, like I said, I have, I've had amazing family, amazing doctors, but also my teachers were there along the way and helped me graduate <laughs> and go to college where I was extremely successful. I had never gotten a 4.0 before college, and I ended up with four or five 4.0s during my college career. Come to today, uh, I was a two-sport athlete, like I said, and I've literally had to learn my motto in life is learn to adapt because I've had to do that my whole life. With my weakness on my left side, I don't really feel it today. But when I was younger, I feel like it, my parents called it lefty because my left arm would be kind of high and they'd be like, lefty, lefty's high, put him down. So it kind of had its own persona. But I would say it's definitely been a long road, like I said, and the challenges today, I don't even realize that I'm paralyzed. 
I go throughout my day like any other person. And sometimes I look back and I think, wow, I did go through that. I have so many people to thank because of where I am today. Um, but that's kind of where the challenges that I've had and I mean, things are just have kept getting better for me. To touch on what others have said, I also have a pituitary brain tumor. So in the beginning, that's how I was diagnosed. I, I stopped growing. So I'm just about Tony's height. So I can totally relate to the short aspect. And that was definitely something that bothered me in the beginning because, you know, of course, most people don't assume you have a brain tumor when you're short. But if people asked, you know, that was kind of a weird story and not an answer that they would be expecting to get. So I kind of avoided it and just got along fine. Um, and I also experienced temporary hair loss from the proton radiation um, and the surgery back when I was 14, which was tough for a teenager, but it grew back. Things got better in terms of, you know, the physical aspects. I would have to say right now, one of my biggest struggles is medically. Just long-term, um, I deal with severe digestive issues. And it's really hard because so many doctors will want to say, oh, it must be the tumor. So you never know if something you're experiencing, whether it's digestive or any type of pain or any type of chronic fatigue, anything you experience, is it the tumor? Is it a side effect? Or is it just something else that you would have had regardless of the tumor? So I've struggled a lot with that, with trying to deal with what doctor's advice to take. Dr. A says it's this, Dr. B says it's that. So you really have to figure out what sounds best to you, maybe take a little bit of both doctor's advice and move forward. But it, it is a challenge because not everything you experience in your life is going to be related to the tumor. So it's kind of hard to let that go. Um, and, you know, I think once you start looking in other directions, you find answers. And that's kind of like what I said before, I'm on a wellness and health journey now because I'm trying to figure out uh, my digestive issues. And then the other thing that I would say is socially you know, we've all been struggling with the pandemic, but for brain tumor survivors, because uh, all of us have different types of tumors, we present with symptoms quite differently. It's not like other cancer communities where you all experience majority of the same symptoms. Um, some of us might've had speech delays or some of us like me stopped growing. So it's, it's very hard socially, but it was hard for us before the pandemic. So um, I haven't found that it's worse, but it, it's just hard because a lot of the things that I would do like take drives and go to places may not be open right now. So it's hard. I think even though I've struggled with loneliness as a survivor, I'm still not comfortable being alone. So that's something I'm also trying to work on this year is, um, you know, maybe take my first solo trip and just learn to be alone and love your time um, that you have with yourself, as opposed to feeling the loneliness and isolation of your sickness and the pandemic. Liz had also shared some of her challenges. For her, most noticeable are balance and coordination, some difficulty with her eyes shifting, and dexterity in her hands. Of course, her chemo treatments caused her also to lose her hair, but also caused joint pain. And plus, the radiation has given her a bit of short-term um, memory loss. So there are some common themes of challenges, as well as some unique ones for each survivor. But I was struck as you guys talk, and Liz has also just um, chimed in here via text that feeling lonely was also kind of big challenge. And, and after she got sick, she unfortunately had the experience of finding out who her true friends were. And that was that she didn't have a lot of friends. A lot of her friends left. 
And I think that's also something that can be really challenging. But as I listen to each of you speak about your challenges and knowing a little bit about each of you, this next question is how you navigated those challenges and how that's changed over time. But I'm also particularly interested in this question in light of the fact that each of you sound like you're maybe anticipating um, some adventures in the future, like either travel or Christopher, you have a new job. Tony, I can only imagine what you're going to tackle as far as hockey goes. So I guess I'm curious about this question. How do you navigate challenges, but also like what adventures have you allowed yourself to stretch into, or do you dream of stretching into despite challenges that exist? With these challenges, I write a lot of things down. Like I have sticky notes on my desk. I'll text my parents for reminders. Like I have this homework tonight. I also, if I try and remember, if I'm trying and remembering things, my mom and my dad, they'll give me clues. Be like, no, it wasn't that. It was this. But the second question that you posed, um, I definitely would like to live a lot more in the moment, not worry about, is this going to happen? Is that going to happen? It's kind of hard right now with uh, COVID and everything. But once everything gets better in that aspect, enjoying myself a lot more doing the things I love, being with my family. For me, for the physical problems, like I said, being short, I just make sure I have a step stool on every floor. So that has helped me with my challenges. Um, And I'm really good at climbing the fridge at the supermarket. So you kind of learn to adapt. Medically, I think the biggest thing, like I said earlier, is when you're dealing with a new issue that may not be related to your brain tumor. It's really learning how to advocate for yourself. Um, so I definitely make sure I bring a pen and notebook or even on my phone, I utilize my phone and maybe record a session at the doctor if I don't understand something. So I make sure that I'm always, even maybe I'm not feeling my best, but I make sure I'm prepared for the appointment because I realize you only have so little time in the office. So you want to uh, make the most of it. And then socially, I've actually recently been in touch with another survivor that I met in a travel group, and I didn't even realize she was also same type of brain tumor survivor as me. So I was thinking maybe for my first trip that I do alone, I would go uh, to visit her just to kind of have that comfort and support of another survivor. The way I was, I would, I navigated these challenges is yes, being short. I take it in my stride. It's not like I was going to be tall to begin with anyways. My dad is 5'7". My mom's five foot. However, my aunt is really, she plays a big role in it because what? How tall? 4'9". About 4'9". <laughs> but she has her doctorate degree and is a psychology professor. So it's not really a restriction to me. I can still do anything I set my mind to. And then... I also need to try to get myself into a better routine. I've gotten back to skating here and there. And yeah. Back on to what Tony said, I feel like when you get diagnosed and then when you're going through treatment, doing the things you love, like I'm an avid drummer and percussionist. Like you, I used to play my drum set every day and you don't do those things as frequently because you, you're not strong enough to, you don't have the energy. And like the time you spent skating or in your case or drumming in mine or whatever it may be you're now napping because you just had chemo last week or 
whatever it may be, or you're nauseous and you can't go do that. Like uh, for Christopher, no more contact sports at all because of the shunt. So I feel like the things you love doing are kind of taken from you a little bit, at least temporarily. But then it's in addition to that, it's a nice when you get that back, when you're able to do a little bit more of this, play a sport or two in college. Like Christopher, Tony, you said you're skating a little bit more. I'm getting back to drumming some. It's nice. It's almost rewarding. Like I can do this now. I've been through a brain tumor and now I get to do what I love again. Always gone into every challenge in my life saying, I can do this and I'm going to get through this because there's been so many times in my life. Like I said, doctor said, he's not going to walk. He's not going to talk. That's also what was told to my, my parents after my, my surgeries, just because of where the tumor was and how, how big it was. Anyone who knows me knows I will never back down from a challenge. As mentioned earlier, I am in a new job. That's also presented a new challenge for me. Not only that I moved away from home, but kind of being in a new environment and adapting. And I think that's like my life motto is just learn to adapt because with everything that's happened in my life, I've had to find different ways to live (laughs) and to have things that I can't do. I'm 28 now, about to be 29, and I'm at the point in my life where I know my limits. I know what I can do. And in terms of kind of if there's something that I want to do, it's definitely kind of just continue to live my life to the full extent, whether that's work, friends, family. Family is so huge to me. And it's, it's definitely, as I get older, I value those relationships and people in my life, because I realized without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. I think everything everyone has said so far is just amazing in it. And the theme is we just kind of keep going. Um, And I've been smiling this whole time because it's so true. No matter what we have going on, we just kind of keep going. I don't have a lot of hair uh, because my scar is quite large from brain surgery. And then after chemo, a lot of hair didn't grow back. And so I wake up every morning and I say, I'm going to go do my hair. And I go, well, this is as good as it's going to get. And I do what I call the female comb over and we go to work. And you just kind of, with these challenges, you navigate life with a sense of humor. And I found that that has been one of the most helpful tools to me. I really like a sense of routine. I think that finding a consistent way to do things has been really helpful. Now, every now and again, a monkey wrench gets thrown in our plan and we have to kind of do what we have to do to get through the day. And I don't drive, I'm legally blind. And so um, planning my day and and having, you know, knowing how I'm going to get from point A to point B and just having a plan is super helpful to me. Again, having a left turn thrown in there kind of throws me off every now and again. But over time, getting better at saying, it's okay, I'm going to figure this out. And I think we just get better at that um, as time goes along. The sense of adventure was mentioned earlier. I have none. (laughs) I think it was taken out with the tumor. But I'm getting better at, you know, being a little bit more spontaneous. And 
I call my mom's phrases her momisms. She has a lot of great wisdom, and uh, now that I'm getting a little bit older, I'm listening to the listening to what she has to say a little bit more. And one of the things that she has said is, "Try it, and if it doesn't work out, you make a new plan and and try it again." And I think we as brain tumor survivors are are pretty cautious in what we do because life can be a little bit scary. And and I get that. And as I'm getting a little bit older, I realize I'm trying, you know, different things more often because getting past survival is is not as scary as it once was. Again, one of the things that has been more than the physical, because I think in terms of physically, there's a set plan to how you're going to get better. And if you follow that plan, it should work out. And if it doesn't, the doctors will tell you what to do. For me, one of the most difficult things was getting out and meeting people socially in a way that I felt comfortable. And finally, that is starting to happen again, um, my people. And I think that is starting to happen as I spread my wings a little bit in a, in a more comfortable way. And that's happening because I'm doing it in baby steps and in a way I feel comfortable. And so that's, you know, it's not traveling the world. But it's it's a big step for me. Yeah, I have to agree with the one thing you said. And before I say that, I literally just grabbed a uh, note card and wrote down the two things I wanted to comment on because I knew I wouldn't remember by the time she was finished. So that's just like one of the side effects. But survival, I think definitely like when you're told, yeah, the MRI came back and there's a mass sitting in your brain or there's a mass sitting on your spinal cord. It's scary. That's your primary focus. Like you're told, okay, we need brain sur- You need brain surgery. And you're like, am I going to wake up? That was a big question for me. Cause I'm like, that was a year ago. I was 16 at the time. So Christopher, 10 months, you probably had no clue what was happening. Or like, if you're very, like a little kid, you don't know, but once you get to a certain age that you can understand a brain surgery is a brain surgery. Any surgery is risky, but you're going under anesthesia and getting cut into your head. So I think that survival, like you've got to keep fighting. You've got to keep going through, okay, one round of chemo, another round, another round, and then you've got radiation. And everybody I can probably assume has experienced nausea and vomiting throughout all of it, hair loss. But you just got to keep surviving, keep surviving, keep surviving, which I think is the key to us still sitting here today is having that attitude of I'm going to make it. I'll survive. It's like the song says, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And the one thing I did also want to say is even though I had I had it and I'm dealing with it, I never let it control me. It's never controlled my life. I was always in control. It's not branded all over me for life, and I don't let it define me. I would like to pose a question. How do you practice being grateful and positivity um, when you're dealing with some negative stuff in your life? To answer Catherine's question, I would say just being grateful that like you're still here. You're still breathing. You still get to, you've overcome the obstacles you've survived i'm assuming yeah everybody like you rang that bell you're still here you still get to talk 
to your family. You still get to live. You still get to enjoy your life because it could have been a possibility that you might not have. So definitely being grateful just to wake up on another morning. I mentioned earlier, as I get older, I actually start hearing my mom (laughs) and I'm listening to her more now than I did before. And when we were little, she used to tell us as the sun was setting and we were up in time for school as it was rising. Oh my gosh, it's a beautiful sunset. Run outside and make a memory and be grateful for it. And so I don't even know that gratitude is about surviving what we went through, but it's more impactful because of what we went through. But every day it's like, oh my gosh, go! I'm going to go see if I can see the sunrise and see what it looks like today. And you start enjoying those things more and more. And I think it's being present in each moment and not thinking about what do I have to do next? Like if you are really enjoying, it's, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the concept of mindfulness, but if you are really enjoying your cup of coffee, like sit there and be grateful for the cup of coffee that you're enjoying. And I didn't realize it until I got older, but that's what my mom was teaching us to do. Like be in the moment and be grateful for that moment. And little by little, your sense of gratitude and enjoyment for everything will become greater. And I've just, now that I am happy with where I am, and it's not what I expected to be doing at all um, when I graduated college, you're truly grateful for where you are. For me personally, most of my treatment was done when I was a lot younger. So I always just figured, I don't know what the hardest part was because I always figured it was do what the doctor tells me or nothing. You just do what you're told kind of sort of thing. I didn't really know that there could have been an alternative, another option than what was done. So I kind of just went with it and said, you know what? Okay. If it's going to make me better, if you're telling me it's going to make me better, at least let's try because I just want to be better. I had my treatment. Tony, you said you had yours at four, correct? I first started at four, and then this summer I had proton radiation. You had your treatment younger. I had mine at 16, but at that point, I think it's a different perspective on, like, you understand, like, if I don't get through this, the alternative's not good. If I don't take this antibiotic, if I don't go through chemo, if I don't get the radiation, if I don't deal with the nausea, the alternative's not good, which I think is a different perspective on what Tony said, but similar in the fact that you do what you do, what you need to do to get better. I always, always went back to hockey. The reason they tell people to start your kids young when they're playing is because as a young kid, you don't think things you don't think about things like if you you're trying to learn how to skate at a really young age you don't have the experience of slipping on ice falling and hurting yourself you just adapt to the what's happening and you go with it right away so as a young child you adapt to things a lot faster and quicker and as you get older you start to think you overthink it and it's sometimes it's stuff that you really shouldn't think at all about. It's just, that's the way I always saw it. And I always related it back to sports. Our final question, if you could go back in time, what would you tell your younger self? I would just tell myself to keep fighting. The way that I've lived my life, 
like I've said earlier, is I've never backed out from a challenge. The odds that were against me going through treatment and everything, the odds were pretty good that I wasn't going to be where I am today. My doctors, my family, as I've mentioned. But yeah, just keep fighting. Don't take anything for granted. Like I don't take a lot of you have said on this podcast today. I don't take any day for granted because I wake up and I'm every day is a new challenge and you never know what's going to come. Many people I go throughout my day and many people don't know what I've been through. There are some people when I tell them, they're like, wait, what? You went through that? It's just, it puts everything in perspective and to live life to its full extent. And I think that I'm doing that and continue to do that. If I were to go back and talk to myself as I was going through treatment in high school in particular, um, because I think when I was 11, I was just getting by having people tell me what to do. But in high school, I was much more aware of what was going on. And then in college, as I was dealing with the first late effect, I would first say, you're doing well and be patient with yourself. And I would say, someone once told me the phrase, stop shooting all over yourself. And I would say that to myself because I had a lot of shoulds. You should be here by now or you should be wherever by now. And I would say, stop that. You're doing well. Be patient with yourself. And and I would tell myself, do more of what you want to do, not what you feel you need to do. And I think uh, I had heard the term survivor's guilt, but I didn't think that was applicable to me. But I think I made a lot of my choices uh, regarding schooling and the first career I went into because of that. And I think I would say, stop and really think if that's what you want to do. So those couple things in particular, I think I would say, make sure that you take the time to reflect and just be grateful and not say, I need to pay back because I survived, but just be grateful and that's good enough. You know, continue to use your really good sense of humor <laughs> that came from this and just be happy and be grateful and, and that's good enough. I agree with what uh, Stephanie and Chris have said, put it very nicely. I would also just um, tell myself, just do what you love and don't worry about the challenges or the failures because you would have challenges and failures even if you didn't have a brain tumor or a cancer diagnosis. So just like opportunities, the only limits are the ones that you create for yourself. So I would definitely uh, be sure not to limit myself so much. And, uh, you know, to, to really be open to how much you can achieve, it's pretty amazing. And the other thing I would say is to share your story because you never know who needs to hear your voice. I always, I never liked to tell my story as a teenager and young adult um, because I didn't think it really mattered. I just didn't want to be different, but I'm realizing now as I'm older that it might actually help someone. So when it is appropriate, I definitely say share your story and just you'll be amazed by the responses because it might, you never know who's going through something similar. If I had the chance to go back, what would I tell myself? First and foremost, I'd say, listen up kid, you're in for a wild ride. You're going to meet some great people. You're going to learn a lot going to go through a lot of different things take it in your stride and be able to put up with it because you don't really got a choice and one other thing i wanted to say about it is 
for my senior project, we were told to pick a quote for that you try to live your life around or like a, uh, a saying. The one I used is spend one hand wishing for some, if you want something, spend one hand wishing for it and the other hand spitting and see which one fills up faster. And to put it in simplest terms, yeah, go ahead. Keep wishing for it. Keep wishing for it in one hand. But on the other hand, start doing stuff to make that goal happen. Make it happen yourself. Do stuff to work at it to get it done. See which way you're going to get it faster. So it's just kind of way I've been forever. Kind of just got to roll with it. As Van Halen says, uh, roll with the punches and get to what's real. <laughs> I got to say, I like the uh, song quotes, Tony. If I could go back in time and tell my younger self something, it would be definitely to not take anything for granted because you never know what's going to happen, especially now. Like in the blink of an eye, you can be back in the emergency room or my tumor has been nine, but it could come back at any moment's notice and live in the moment, enjoy everything doing right now. Don't worry about what's coming down the road. Don't worry about what else you have to do. Just try and live right now. Absorb what's happening right now and live. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.